If you would, remain standing for the reading of God's holy word with me and turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. As we continue our study in the Sermon on the Mount, I will read verses 1 through 12. Verses 1 through 12. Matthew 5, verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Praise God for his holy word. Please be seated. So week after week, I have reminded us over and over and over again, I will again this morning, that these Beatitudes are so important, we dare not rip one out of context, but they they progress, they build on one another as we move forward in this magnificent sermon that Jesus preached. This sermon that Jesus taught to his disciples as he sat on the side of a mountain is rich, not only concerning the character of God, but is rich in displaying and telling how God's children are and how they will live. The words in this sermon tell us as God's children what He will produce and instruct us in how we are to live every day. The first four Beatitudes show us the inward results of God's saving grace, while the last four reveal the outward fruit, and we are in the outward fruit stage. The outward fruit of the Spirit of God at work in God's children But let us not be mistaken. All eight of these are connected. They build. They grow. The poor in spirit, they will acknowledge their need for mercy and they will show mercy to others. Those who mourn over their sin, they are the ones who are pure in heart. Those who are meek, they are the peacemakers. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they're okay with being persecuted for righteousness' sake. There is a new heart given when an individual has been born again, and from this heart flows the character of God. It flows a life that is going to please the Lord. So look at Matthew 5, verse 9, Beatitude number 7. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Those who are meek, the gentle, the lowly, the humble, they will inherit the earth but they will live this life as peacemakers. The meek trust God. They live controlled lives with correct behavior, seeking to image Jesus Christ, their Savior. Their joy is not found in the present circumstance. Their joy is found in the Lord. Therefore, they can operate with meekness and they can pursue peace. William Barclay said this, Blessed is a man who is always angry at the right time and never angry at the wrong time. 
The meek are peacemakers. Martin Lowe-Jones said, The man who is truly meek is the one who is truly amazed that God and man can think of him as well as they do and treat him as well as they do. Even this morning as we were beginning our time together in worship, Blake started off with a time of confession where we come before the Lord and we confess our sins. Do you see the meekness in confessing your sins before a holy God? Meekness is needed if peace is to be made. The poor in spirit, they mourn their sin, they, they live meek lives before the Lord and others, and they serve as peacemakers. The receivers of mercy, they are givers of mercy. Therefore, they are peacemakers for the Lord. So our journey together through this verse will include four main areas. Area number one, the why of peacemakers. The why of peacemakers. Area two, the wrong and false peace that is often accepted in the church. The wrong and false peace that is often accepted in the church. Number three, the work of peacemakers. I mean, making peace in our lives, that is a work, the work of peacemakers. And area four, the wonderful truth of peacemakers. The wonderful truth of peacemakers. Area number one, the why of peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. So let us be mindful. The first seven, they build and they progress before we arrive here in Beatitude number eight. What is the peace that Jesus is speaking about? I think it's important that I also inform us of what it's not. Peace is not ignoring the problem. Peace is not sweeping it under the rug, so to speak. It is not looking past what divides us. Peace is not the absence of something, as the world believes. And this is what the world does believe. Peace is the absence of something. But peace is actually the presence of all that is good. Peace is truth reigning high and lifted up. For peace is a matter of the heart. It's not a document that is signed. I was reminded in history this week, just thinking about all of history altogether, how many peace treaties we have had, and yet war still exists year after year after year. Peace is a matter of the heart. The peacemakers that Jesus are speaking about can only be his children. So if you're not a child of God, you are not a peacemaker. Peacemaking has been given by God to his children. It is only the pure in heart who can serve as peacemakers. Peacemakers, they are the ones who are poor in spirit. They are the ones who mourn their sin. They are the meek. They are the hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Peacemakers are merciful. Only God's children, only Christians, those who have been called by God, those who have placed their faith and trust and hope in Christ and Christ alone for their salvation can serve as peacemakers. Only those who have experienced the peace of God can be peacemakers for God. So the Holy Spirit gives peace and makes that man, woman, or child a peacemaker. Peacemaking is a divine work that requires the Holy Spirit and a mind that is transformed by the Word of God. Isn't it crazy when we start thinking about our own lives and we start examining our life and we go back to when we are living before the Lord, 
when you and I forget to submit ourselves to God on a daily basis, we forget to have a renewed mind by spending time in the Word of God, what we come across is we realize we're not a peacemaker, we're the problem. Knowing the Lord and His truth is needed to serve as a divine peacemaker. But why are peacemakers needed in this life? The answer is one word. Sin. Peacemakers are needed in this life because of sin. Disobedience is the natural state of humanity. Which is cosmic treason against God, and it doesn't stop flowing from the heart of humans until salvation is applied by God's grace. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning... Everything was very good, meaning there was 100% peace. Full and complete peace. This is why Christians think so much about heaven. We long for that day, amen? We're looking forward to it, but we don't live in days of peace right now. Adam and Eve lived in peace with God and each other in the garden. But soon after creation, sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin spread to all men because all sinned. Romans 5, verse 12. When sin is present, war is present. Because sin is humanity ignoring God. Sin in humanity is humanity declaring war against God, doing what's right in their own eyes while ignoring the Word of God. When creation ignores the Creator, the result is always conflict. Peacemakers are needed because sin is in our lives and sin is in this world. We are at war with God. We are at war with others. Think about times where you were missing peace in your life this past week. Arguments. Conflict. Pride. Greed, lust, misplaced affections, violence, self-centeredness, physical death has occurred. Spiritual death has occurred. And this is all because of sin. Peace cannot be had unless one realizes their spiritual bankruptcy before the Lord, the poor in spirit. The doctrine of sin and the doctrine of man must be rightly understood if peace is going to exist and if peace is going to be experienced. Looking back at the last beatitude, Jesus is and always has been concerned about the heart. For only the pure in heart will see God. And peace is a matter of the heart. As I said earlier, it's not a document that is signed. The outward appearance, the visible, is not the full story. If we are to know the state of someone's soul, we must look at the heart. It is a heart issue. Peacemakers are needed in this life because sin is present in our hearts, in our lives, as well as this world. Sin separates us from God and makes us at war with God and at war with others. Area two, the wrong and false peace is often accepted. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Sin is the why of peacemakers, and true peace is only found in the Lord, while everything else is a false substitute. 
individually as God's children or together as a local church, we must not bend our knee to the foolish pragmatism of this world and accept a false peace or unity by ignoring purity, ignoring truth, ignoring justice, or ignoring righteousness. As I have already stated, peace is not the absence of something, it is the presence of all that is good. It is truth reigning high and lifted up, not just in doctrine in our life. Peace is a matter of the heart. Ignoring sin or divisions, bending of the truth, avoiding conflict, being quiet and allowing bitterness to brew, not having important conversations or only talking about what unites us. This does not lead to biblical peace. It never has and it never will. The only eternal peace that can be had in this life is found in Jesus Christ alone and living according to the holy word of God alone. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. The author of peace is God. Isaiah 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Ephesians 2, 11-22. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. If you are separated from Christ, you have no peace with God. You were separated from Christ. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers to the covenants of promise. You were having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus... You who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances that He might create Himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility." And he came, this is what I love, he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. So the Son of God, the Prince of Peace, came and preached peace. For through him we have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but now you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together in dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So Christ himself is our peace. Christ makes peace. Christ preached peace. And the gospel is peace that is being preached. Colossians 1, 15-20. He, referring to Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers and authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Just, just ponder that just for a quick moment. All things were created through him and for him. 
if he's the author of peace, if he's the giver of peace, it is absurd to think that we can have peace in this life without him. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Without Jesus, there is no peace. Eternal peace is only found in Jesus Christ. Therefore, we must hold fast to his holy word and not forsake an iota of it. If we as Christians have been given the work of being peacemakers, we dare not ignore the words of the Lord, the one who granted peace in our life, or ignore what he has said. Before peacemaking can exist, you must be at peace with God and you must know the God of peace. We must keep his words in our heart and not accept shortcuts or a cheap peace, which is no peace at all. Peacemaking exists because of sin. Peace is based upon God's terms, not our opinions. Therefore, peace with God must exist if there is going to be peace with others. Area three, the work of peacemakers. The work of peacemakers God has given his children the work of being peacemakers. John MacArthur said, If the Father is a source of peace and the Son is a manifestation of that peace, then the Holy Spirit is the agent of peace. That's why you must be a child of God to be a peacemaker. This first demands a work in our life before we can involve others. It is absolutely true. If we don't take care of ourselves, how are we going to take care of others? Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones also said, the peacemaker is the one who is not always looking at everything in terms of the effect it has upon himself. Did, Did you catch that? We can't make peace as peacemakers if we are only concerned with self. Like If we're trying to build peace because we want it to better our circumstance or the better us, and we've ignored the fact that we are to do this for the glory of God, we've missed the boat. Peacemaking is not about us. It's about the Lord and pleasing Him. We must learn to control ourselves in situations, not bursting forth with our opinions because it might change or affect our personal life. I still remember the first few years of marriage, how I used to handle trying to be a peacemaker in our own home. Amy is very thorough and she thinks through things very clearly, but she needs that time. I am the polar opposite. We got a problem. Let's sit down at this table. Let's sit across from each other. Let's work this out right now because I want to go to bed tonight. And over a period of time, I began to learn my wife is much wiser than I am. That I need to think before I speak. That peacemaking is not about us. It's about the Lord and pleasing Him. So here, let's look at seven characteristics together of being a peacemaker. Characteristic number one, a controlled tongue. A controlled tongue. Psalm 34, 13 and 14 says, Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. 
James goes on to say our tongue is a fire. The only one who can control the tongue is the Lord. We need to control the tongue. Prayer. Prayer. Talk to the Lord about your life. Pray for peace. It's funny, when, when things get difficult, sometimes the last thing we go to is the Lord. When He should be the first thing that we go to. Pray. Talk to the Lord about it. Ask for peace. Pray for wisdom. Number three, listen to others extremely well. This is a lost art. Most of us are very, very quick to speak. We're very, very slow to listen. And give you a little pun, God gave us one mouth and two ears for a reason. Listen twice as much as you talk. We need to listen well. Number four, have a transformed mindset on the gospel of God. When everything is running rampant and you're angry and you want to get to the solution of a problem and you want peace to happen, often, oftentimes we're not set on the gospel of God. We're not thinking about God. We're thinking about self. I know what I'm going to say. Oh, I'm going to stab her with this one. Have a transformed mind set on the gospel. Number five, be resolved to empty yourself of self-ambition. Be resolved to empty yourself of self-ambition. Consider Christ and consider others, then consider yourself. Number six, remain calm and have compassionate speech. It's amazing what you can accomplish by remaining calm and being Choice, having choice words and having compassion for the other person. That's why sometimes, the majority of the time, all the time, talk to the person face to face. Don't text, don't email. Remain calm and have compassionate speech. And number seven, rightfully apply biblical principles. Rightfully apply biblical principles. God must do the work of peace between him and man. But as God's children, we are to do the work of keeping the peace between man and man, as well as the work of proclaiming truth so that there can be peace. We're to take the truth of God to man so that they can be saved. How will they hear without someone preaching? This divine work of peacemaking is a blessing with the goal of glorifying the Lord, not self. Peacemaking requires ministry. And as Christians, we should all be involved in ministry. And you know what? Ministry is messy. It's messy. Just like marriage is messy. One sinner married another sinner. You got together. What did you expect? Well, what happens when you have a whole church full of sinners together? It's messy. Ministry is messy. But just because it's messy doesn't mean it's not a blessing. Peacemaking requires disruption for you are entering into conflict. Many of us, when I, when I say the word conflict, some of you are like, all right, it's time to pack up. It's time to go. And you run from conflict. I think about our country when conflict, we're so quick to crucify, but on one hand, also, when conflict arises, we're very, very, very quick to, to wave the white flag and we don't want to enter into it. We want to take the easy way out so many times. 
Peacemaking requires disruption for you are entering conflict. Matthew 10, 34 through 39. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Before peace can come, the sword must fall. Christ brought peace by his blood. And when you have the blood of Christ, you have division that occurs. The law of God, for example, the law of God shows us our sin. It is a sword that cuts and divides. The world hates the Word of God. The world also hates us as Christians when we live holy lives. It causes problems for them. They reject what God has done and they reject how we live. Peacemaking requires telling the truth. Therefore, the sword must fall before peace can come. Conversations must be had. Proclaiming God's word must be done. Working towards reconciliation step by step by step by step. It's not that we snap our fingers and peace comes. Settling differences. That must happen. That's conflict. And here's something that seems to be like against the law today. Calling sin, sin. We need to call sin what it is. It's sin. We need to confront falsehood. We need to call for others to repent. Blessed are the peacemakers, but the process of peacemaking is hard work. That's why... There's so many people who don't do it. Jesus said, pray to the Lord of harvest so there would be more workers of the harvest. The reason why there's so few workers of the harvest is because there's not so many people concerned about peacemaking. James 3, 17 and 18, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable. It's first pure, then peaceable. So the way of wisdom is first pure and then peaceable. And so for purity to exist, we must confront sin. Romans 14, 17 through 19, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and in peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do we think that pursuing peace and pursuing mutual upbuilding is only going to be us sitting down, having a cup of coffee, and enjoying dessert? It's so much more than that. It's difficult conversations. It's talking about sin. It's talking about understanding one another. It's settling differences between one another. It's confronting falsehood. It's even asking the question like, what is your starting point? Do you believe in the Scriptures? Do you believe in Christ? What do you believe about Christ? The kingdom of God is a matter of peace. And so as Christians, we have been given the work of being a peacemaker. And we are to pursue peace. Hebrews 12, 14-17 Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. 
See too that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears." As God's children, we are to strive for peace, and there are so many areas in which peace is needed in this life. There are so many areas of peace that is needed in your life and in my life. Personal peace with God. It starts there. Peace in our marriages. Peace in our homes. Peace with family. Peace in the church. Peace at work and school. Peace in the community. You know why hobbies run so rampant today? It's because they ignore so many areas of the, in their life in which there is war. Because they just want to settle for a false peace that will not last. We are to serve as peacemakers in the church as well as peacemakers in the harvest. And in making peace, it is both behavior and beliefs. We must address both behavior and beliefs as peacemakers. Behavior, our attitude, our actions, obedience that is lacking, the sin that is being committed, our beliefs. What one believes about God, salvation, self, sin, heaven, hell, works, etc. We would be surprised if we evaluate our life how much we give over to ignoring behavior and ignoring beliefs. Our work for peace is ongoing in this life and it's never ending. Let us be mindful. In this life, in the here and the now, yes, we have peace with God. But don't expect to have peace with everyone or peace with this world. The peace that is approaching, we will be with Christ forever in heaven. Look at Romans chapter 12 with me. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 9. Under the title of Marks of the True Christian. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For his written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. 
do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The words that are so difficult is, as far as it depends upon us, we are to live peaceably with all. So being a peacemaker is hard work, and being a peacemaker is ongoing work. So we have discussed the why of peacemakers, the wrong and false peace that is often accepted in the church and everywhere else. We have discussed the work of peacemakers, and now area four, the wonderful truth of peacemakers. Matthew 5, verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. The word called here means owned. So let's read the verse again. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be owned as the sons of God. So peacemakers are owned by God. They are His property. Through and through, they belong to the Lord. The glories and advantages of this truth are endless. They do not end. They keep going and going and going like the Energizer Bunny. It never stops. It keeps going further and further into the distance. For God never does anything half-hearted. So the wonderful truth of peacemakers is that they are owned by God. The Lord takes care of what is His. Sin entered this world. His Son came. His Son saves, providing peace. And those who belong to Him, they are eternally protected and kept by Him. The wonderful truth of peacemakers is that they are owned by God. Look at it this way. Whatever happens in this life, whatever tragedy may occur, God's children will see Him. And they will live with Him for all of eternity in heaven. So peacemakers are owned by God. We must rest in this treasure and rejoice but because of it. I mean, we are owned by God. What can man do to us? Nothing. Peace is coming. We have peace in our hearts because of what Christ has done, and we will have peace for all of eternity. What can man do? Peacemakers are owned by God. As we study next week, as we've talked about how these have been progressing, progressing, moving forward, building upon one another, peacemakers, the result is peacemakers are persecuted. The Holy Scriptures in the church the history of the church, both affirm this. So the why of peacemaker is sin. The wrong and false peace that is often accepted is not God's peace at all. As Christians, we have been given the work of being peacemakers in this life. This work is tough, but be of good courage because you forever belong to the Lord. The question is, are you a peacemaker? Or, are you content with a false peace which is no peace at all? Peace is needed in every area of life. What is the area for you? Don't come in here acting like you have every area in your life all together. If you come up and tell me that, I will call you a liar and call you to repent. There are areas in your life, there are areas in my life in which we struggle, we fall short, in which there seems to be more war than more peace focused upon the Lord. What area in your life is? Write it down. Think about it. Pray about it. Target it. Talk to somebody. Peace is needed in every area of our life. But the beginning question is this. Do you have peace with God? 
Are you 100% confident that if you were to die today that, and you were to stand before the Lord and He said, why shall I let you in? Are you sure that you will get in? If your statement is anything beyond, my, I put my faith, my hope, my trust in Christ and Christ alone for my salvation, it's wrong. Do you have peace with God? Is there peace in your home? Like I said earlier, I believe there's so many people who there is no peace in the home, there's no peace in their marriage, there's no peace with what's going on and what is, what they do have peace with, what, what they have accepted is a hobby which one day will fade. If possible, so far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all. As Christians, this is not a work in which we must say, that's optional for me. As God's children, we must say this is a work in which God has given us as his child. A blessed work. How glorious it is to be a peacemaker and to see peace come in a circumstance. How glorious it is to be a peacemaker to see peace come in a family, in a home, in a church. How glorious it is to see peace arrive because someone has been born again through the proclamation of the gospel. Father, we thank you for your holy word. Thank you that you have showed us that blessed are your peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God because we are owned by you. May may we fear you more than we fear the men and women of this world. Take away our fear of man. Remind us over and over and over again, Lord, that you are enough. Help us as individuals and help us as a church to be peacemakers for your name and for your glory, for the upbuilding of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.